five. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number five in your Bibles. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number five. And it reads, So it was, as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. But when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on. You will catch men. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' precious, holy name, as always, we reverence you. We understand, Lord, that we are in the presence of glory, magnificence, unyielding power, a great and awesome, a mighty God that can do anything but fail. The God who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The God who rescued us and brought us from whence we came. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. The word of God is uh, the word that will endure all things and all of time. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will last forever. And it is to that understanding, Lord, that we posture ourselves to understand that this is a sacred moment where you want to bring enlightenment to your people. Father, we need in a very real way to understand the power of the word of God and the preaching of that word and how it brings light in the darkest of places. Father, we thank you so much and we yield to you this morning. Will you please speak to every heart, every heart. Let every heart hear you, God. Let every heart hear the voice of the Spirit today and be forever transformed. 
not because of me, but all because of you. And Father, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, This week, we kick off our brand new series entitled Gone Fishing. And so really for the entirety of the month of May, we will be focusing on missions and evangelism. For those who don't know, uh, somewhere near the end of the month, we will have a guest speaker, uh, Brother Mark uh, Austin, who will be coming. Uh, He will minister to us about the Gideon's ministry. And for those who don't know what Gideon's ministry is all about, it is a ministry that basically uh, send Bibles all over the entire world, uh, sending the word of God out and is translated in so many different languages. They have had a profound impact. And so one of their regional partners or, or, or of the organization, uh, Mark Austin, will be here uh, to help us to understand the value of the work. And so we have an opportunity to help change the world. And so for the rest of this month, uh, actually, this is the first week Uh, I guess this is the last week of April, but as we move into May, from the day all the way to the end of May, we will be focusing on evangelism and the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. I really do believe that in this time of our church, I believe that we're in the season of growth here at Foundation Church. I really believe that with all of my heart, and I've been taking a lot of time to pray about this thing, but You know, I really believe that this is a season that God has appointed for us to grow. How many of you remember the story in the Bible when the angel would come down every now and then and trouble the water? And whenever the angel would come and trouble the water, whoever first jumped in got healed. But the point of that was that there are certain times and places where God moves. But how many know that it's up to us to jump in and receive what God want to do? So, so we have to be a discerning people to understand that God wants to take us to a whole nother place. God wants to take us to a whole nother level. And all he needs are people that will be serious enough and will be willing to take a step of faith and say, God, I want what you have for us. I, how many of you want to reach this community for Christ? I only got one, I only got one amen, but that's okay. Let me tell you why it's okay. It's, not, it's okay, but it's not okay. It's okay in the sense that I know it to work. I, I know it, I understand what I have to do. But here's the problem that we are struggling with today. People, the church, are not really as excited about evangelism and missions as they should be. Because, you see, when I say something about evangelism, sharing your faith, many of us, we sit and we go, oh, gosh, I was hoping you'd tell me something Wonderful about myself. I hope you give me a nice little encouraging word because I had a rough week. I, I was kind of hoping you'd kind of build your sermon to help meet my need. And unfortunately, that is an attitude that is perpetuated in the church of God, particularly in the church of America. Because what we must understand is that evangelism is the very heartbeat of God. It is the thing that motivates God more than anything else. It is evangelism. It is the preaching of the gospel. And unfortunately, in many churches, evangelism is dying. It's dying. People come to church now for whole different reasons. You understand what I mean by that. 
People are coming to church, they don't understand. And, and how many know there are Christians who have been saved for a number of years who have never been taught, don't understand that evangelism is a huge and significant part of, we, of us as Christians. This is what we do. This is what the church is called to do. And, and when you don't, when you find, if you're sitting here today, and you don't find yourself getting excited about evangelism, there is a crack in your foundation. There is a huge crack. You have missed something. You Don't tell me how long you've been going to church. Well, I've been going to church pastor for years. I grew up in the church. I get it. But if you can't get excited when we talk about winning and loss, you don't understand who you are. You don't understand the core purpose of church. It is the heartbeat of God. Church in many, come on church, in many ways we become an entertainment society. We built ministry primarily around the needs of the community. Now listen, we are called to meet the needs. We are called to do all that. But how many know that the first thing, that the thing that motivates the church more than anything else is the mission of Jesus Christ? If it's outside of the mission of Christ, then it doesn't matter all that much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so church has become in so many ways a social club to stroke people's egos and make them feel better about a bad night that they had before they got here today. So we preachers, we come up and we try to figure out ways just to keep you happy so you can keep coming back to church. And there we start talking about evangelism. <laughs> I know y'all looking at me strange, but I'm just telling the truth whether you want to receive it or not. Because I understand what this means. I understand. Listen, I'm free as a bird. <laughs> I, you know, I am a messenger of God. And I will preach this word whether you like it or whether you don't. Because I know that all around you, there are people that need to get this message. And every empty seat in this room should not just offend me, but it should offend you. It should be an indictment on every person in here. Not just Pastor Gary. Because what we've said is, Pastor, that's, that's, your, that's your issue. Pastor, you figure it out. I see nothing in the Bible like that at all. Stats to prove my point. Let me give you a couple of stats. One person is being reached for every 40 to 60 church members. One. Conversion is declining precipitously. Big time. Wherever you find numerical growth, it is more likely transfer of Christians from one church to another. How many know that that's not evangelism, that's sheep shuffling? So what we do is we get really, really excited. Man, and, and listen, I am grateful for every person that comes in here. Trust me, I want, listen, I want this place filled with new converts for Jesus. But how many know that the church got to get beyond just transfer? And how many know it's easy to do, I mean, it's easy to do transfer growth because you can always find somebody mad at the pastor about something. Somebody upset about something. You didn't treat me right. You didn't that. It's always, boy, it's good. But people go from church to church, man, like it's nothing. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. If you really want deliverance, you got to hear the word of God. God said that evangelism and reaching the lost is what we are supposed to be about. And if you're sitting here today and if this is not a core principle of who you are, you have been missing it. And I'm here to help us. This morning, this message, church, is not a, about a message of rebuke. It, it is a message to help us redirect our focus to where it should be. Evangelism 
is at the core of everything we do. If it's a ministry that's focused on poor, the end goal of it, evangelism. If it's a ministry that's focused on worship, the end goal of it, evangelism. If it's a ministry focused on young adults, the end goal of that is evangelism. A ministry that's focused on business leaders, the end result, the end goal is evangelism. A ministry that's focused with, with reaching young people for Christ, college students. How many know at the end of the day, it's about evangelism? If you're standing up here and you're leading worship, you know what it's all about? It's about evangelism. If you're standing at the front door and you're greeting, you know what it's all about? It's about evangelism. If you're coming in here on Saturday when you don't want to come here on Saturday, it is all to set up. It is all about evangelism. Everything that we do. Whether you play the guitar, whether you play the piano, whether you preach, whether you teach, it is all for the cause to bring men into the kingdom of God. That is why you are here. Everything else is a byproduct. God is good. God will meet your need. God will bless us. And I, I mean, no, we got enough God bless you messages. We, uh, come on, church. We get a plenty of that. But when are we going to get serious about what God is serious about? How many of you want to be on the cutting edge of what moves God? People talk about, man, I want want, want to be anointing. What do you want the anointing for? What do you want to be slain in the spirit for? What do you want to speak in tongues for? I'm not knocking those things. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But there got to be some context here or we'll go off the deep end. We'll go all over the place. And missing our point. Let me give you a couple of verses, a couple of things to, to, to share as we go into this. I want to talk to you about. Can I talk to you this morning? I just want to talk. Can we talk this morning? Why don't we evangelize as we should? Because I think we all can agree. We all sitting in this room, we all can agree that we don't evangelize. We don't take evangelism serious. And we talk about evangelism. What is evangelism? Evangelism really is proclaiming, preaching, proclamating the word of God. That's what it's all about, with the end goal to bring men, to help men to see that Jesus is the way so that they can be saved. How many know that that should be the goal of everyone sitting in this room? Everybody. Not just a couple people that are serious about the Lord. And by the way, that, I got an issue with that. They're serious Christians. How many know you're a Christian? You're already, that, that, that you're serious. That's the way it should be. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we got these little categories. So why don't we evangelize uh, as we should? Because we haven't been taught of its importance in a lot of cases. There are more, come on, there's more emphasis on buying stuff than it is on preaching the good news of the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Y'all know the Bible said the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything that belongs in it. You know God owns it all anyway. And he said the meek shall inherit the earth. Do you not know that you already own everything? People act like stuff is the most valuable thing that they can do. I mean, you know, I, I, listen, I like nice stuff. Don't get me wrong, but, but that stuff don't have me. I'm, I'm cool. If I got it, if I don't, I'm okay. Some people, they live for that. Why don't we evangelize as we should? Let's be honest. A lot of us, we're just not prepared. The Bible says, we are called to study, to show ourselves, approve unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How much study do you do of the word of God? Because your lack of study may be a reflection on your, your lack of desire to share your faith. 
Because you can't stand there and say, well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get back. Let me get back. Let me talk with Pastor Bailey. Uh, then I'll get back and answer. How many know that there got to come a point in time? How many moms in here? Dads. You know, listen, there's a certain expectation when the baby is first born. Come on. You spoon feed it. You change its diaper. You do everything with that baby that needs to be done. But at some point when that baby is five, that baby better get up off that mother's breast. Come on, it's something freakish about a child that's 10 years old still nursing from mama. Y'all with me? There's something that, how many know that we're supposed to be growing and advancing? He said, we got to grow in this, grow in the word of God. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow. There come a point in time, people, that you, listen, you, you got to stop depending on somebody else to help you figure it out. you got to dig in this thing and take some responsibility for your spiritual growth. you got to do that. Nobody should have to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody should have to tell you to pray. You're a Christian. It should come with the territory. How many know that that's the elementary things? And some of us still struggle with that even. And you want to argue sometimes, oh, Pastor, I don't need to read my Bible every day to go to heaven. This is, this is what we got now to because we don't understand that it's much more than just about going to heaven. It's about, it's about reaching a world. This, we had to show the video this morning. I don't know about you, but I want to change the world. I want to see the glory of God. How many of you want to, want to see the glory of God all over the earth? I, I long for the day when all the nations of the earth will bow down and worship our God, our King. I long for that day. First Peter says that we got to be always ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect. How many know you got to be always ready? That means at any moment that you need to be in a position, all of us, whereas we have an opportunity to share and to talk about God and, and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. The fact that he died, rose again for our sins and how somebody can come into the kingdom. How many know we need to be able to articulate that in a very strong way? And if you're sitting here today and you know in your heart you know in your heart if you're there yet. But how many know you're not going to get delivered until you be honest? You got to say, Lord, I, this, I, I got a problem here and I need to get better. Then sometimes, why we don't evangelize as we should, come on, we're distracted. Everybody say distracted. When I talk to you, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking about the church. How many know that we, our messages go now all over the world? Y'all knew that, right? So, so understand that the audience is bigger than you, so don't get offended. Just, just listen. If, if it, listen. If it step on your toe, just say, ouch. If it ain't you, just, just keep on going. Smile. Amen? And pray for somebody else. But how many know that we're distracted by too many worldly things? In Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says this. Now, these are, the one, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Get this, church. And the cares of this world. How many know there's a lot of cares of this life? The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in, get this, and choke the word. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Many of us, the church is not evangelizing like it should and it's, you know, we're not making a difference as we should because we are so bogged down with the cares of this life. A life that at the end it's going to end someday, and you're going to have to meet your maker. I was listening the other day to a famous entertainer that died, 57 years old. 57. 
How many know that's a very short time to be on earth? What are you doing with the time that you have? How many people are you reaching? Because you're going to have, everybody's going to have to meet that fate. And so worldly things become sometimes the object of everything that we do. The cares of this life. I'm all about, listen, I, I believe you should have a good time. I believe that, you know, we got responsibilities. We all got kids. We got jobs and we got stuff. I get it. I'm not, listen, I'm not here to knock those things. But what I'm saying is they cannot take the place of our mission to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything we do has to be built around that thing. Everything that we do. Everything. And listen, we should not. We should not be a cavalier or, or mope and groan and, you know, every time that, you know, we get inconvenienced. How many know God's anointing, God's blessing? You heard me say this. God's anointing and his blessing oftentimes come through inconvenience. And for some of you, you want the blessing, but you don't want to be inconvenienced. You're going to be inconvenienced. If you want God to move, you're going to be inconvenienced. It's how he works. God doesn't do stuff on your terms of when you feel like it. Are you hearing me? You got to get up and you got to move. You got to find yourself where God is working. God, where are you at? Because I don't know about you, because I want to be where you're at. So when you get ready to move, I can raise my hand. Here I am. Send me, Lord. I'm the one. I'm ready to do it. Is anybody ready to do it? Let's keep going. And then sometimes we don't share because we don't want to offend other people. How many know that we live in a society today? You can't offend nobody no more. Truth doesn't matter. How many know that Jesus said offenses will come? Do you not know that Jesus offended a whole lot of people? Let me take my glasses off so you can understand it. If Jesus were here today, there'd be some folk very, very upset at him. A whole lot of folk. There'd be people trying to lock him up. There'd be people trying to beat him up. You know, the things that Jesus was saying was some crazy stuff. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. You can't get to God unless you come through me. I'm the only way. Put that message right here in this, in this center. Right, Have Jesus walk here today and stand up and say, I'm the only way. Nobody else can get to God except me. What do you think they do to Jesus? Boy, he'd be all over the news, won't he? They'd be talking about him. It's nothing. What I'm trying to show you, it comes with the territory. Are y'all hearing this? It is what it is. If we're going to change a generation, we got to learn to be comfortable with being in the opposition. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We will never change the world. Our church will never make a difference if we just want to be comfortable and convenient. Forget it. I've learned that a long time ago. God does not work on my time schedule. He never has. He never will. You know why? Because he's God. And whatever God wants to do, I don't know about you, but I'm okay with it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm okay with it. Yeah. If God want me up at 3 in the morning, he had me up the other morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. I just worship. I just Look, I just worship. I was tired, but something is out of me. Get up, boy, and worship. I just worship. Because I, I understand that I've been placed on an assignment from God. 
Are y'all hearing this? You have been on, a, you are on assignment from God. And it, it evolves around this whole issue of evangelism. And let me, let me, let, let's take it a little bit further. Jesus prioritized evangelism. Watch this. How many know that Jesus actively pursued the lost? Actively. Now, let, let me give you a couple of verses. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, watch this. He says, for the Son of Man has come to, watch this, to seek and to save that which was lost. Powerful. Powerful statement. The Son of Man, Jesus, came. Here's why he came. Listen, he, he, he didn't just come to give you a real nice car, a real nice house, or fulfill every one of your desires. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. How many know that the most important thing in your life is not your career, is not how much money you got in the bank, it's where your soul going to end up at? Parents, send that message to your kids who want everything. You got, to, you got to tell them the most important thing is where your soul ends up. And here's the problem. You don't know when your time is up. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? So Jesus says, watch this. So he said that, he says that, 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 that the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Watch this, church. This principle guided everything that Jesus did. It, you know, I mean, this was like if he had a mission statement, this would be it. Everything he did is who he hung out with, where he hung out, how long he hung out. Everything that Jesus did evolved around this Mission, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That governed everything he did. How many know it ought to govern everything that we do? Let me say that again. How many of you know that it ought to govern everything that we do, seek and to save that which was lost? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners... Some of your skin crawling right now. Came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. How many know that Jesus didn't hang out just to be hanging out? Some of us always, we love, we love to pull out this scripture when we, we were like, we were doing sin with sinners. How many know Jesus didn't hang out to sin? Jesus hung out to change some things. So he positioned himself around sinners, not just to hang out and be their buddy. He positioned himself around sinners because he was always thinking of a way to bring them out of darkness into light. Do you hear in that? That's, that's what it's all about. How many know, listen, uh, listen, hanging around sinners and being around sinners, we need to do that. Come on, church. We need to be, we can't save nobody. We're going to just have our holy huddle here every Sunday morning and, and stay away from people who don't know God. You got to get around people who don't know God. But here's the thing. Remember why you are there. You are not there to engage. You are there to send the message that you're different. You've been changed and you need to come up higher. We can't affirm things that we know God said no to, and we can't even let people think if it's okay with, 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 with them, but we know it's not okay with God. We can't even let them think that it's okay. How many know we're representatives of God? 
And a representative of God, we got to speak like he speak and say it the way he said. And if, listen, even if, if, even if it offends you, <laughs> I tell people all the time, man, I, brother, I just stand with the word. I'm always, I feel good. When I, when, I, when I leave here, you know, I make a lot of mistakes sometimes. I, I, you know, I analyze my sermons and there are things I could have, wish I could have said differently and should have said differently. But, but one thing that, that I always feel really good about is that when I preach the word and, I'm, and I can back up what I said about the word, I sleep really, really good. And when I talk to people and people got a problem with something I say, usually when people have a problem with, with what I say, listen, listen, the thing is, it, does the Bible say that? They don't want to know whether it's the Bible said it. It's whether or not, man, it, it ain't popular. That's not, that's not, that's not, it's out of date. How many know that the Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and what? Forever. He never changed. People are changing all the time. Am I right about it? But Jesus never, ever, he never changes. And so Jesus, he hung out with sinners. So we got to do that. We got we to we be around them with the intent to help change them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because how many know that the life that folks are living outside of Christ is not a good life? I don't care how much they try to spin it. And you know the truth. You know it. Here's a verse that we all, we all get comfortable with. You know, sometimes there are certain verses in the Bible that we can hear over and over again, and we just get, we don't really think about it. You know, John 3, 16 are one of those verses. But, but act like, right now, I'm going to read John 3, 16, and I want you to kind of think of this verse as this is the very first time you read it. I know that's, just, that's hard to do because you've heard it so much. But I want, I'm going to read this verse. I want you to think of it as if this is the very first time I heard this verse. John 3, 16 uh, through verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I want you to get this into your spirit. This verse is about evangelism. Am I right about it? That's all it is. It's, evangel- it's a verse about reaching the lost. But, but look, at the, look at the context. Think about it this way. God himself came down off of the throne in the person of Jesus Christ. He left all, listen, all of, how many know that Jesus, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He left all of Jet to come down here and subject himself to an unrighteous, an ungrateful, a sinful, wicked people. And he did it for what? So that he can save us. Think about this. God did all of that. I mean, y'all know he could have created a whole nother people, right? He could have just, boof. He didn't have to save you. And everybody, come on. He didn't have to save you. But he came all the way down. All the way. And why? He so loved the world. Why he? So he gave his son so that whoever believes will have, will not perish, but have everlasting life. If it was that important to God that he had to come down off his throne, how many know it got to be that much more important to us? To preach this gospel because God is saying out of everything else, he came down, left Jesus, left his glory to come down to save a wretch like you. Don't even think about nobody else. You. 
He saved you and me. Undeserving. Big time. How many know we don't deserve anything? But he did it. How many know that's love? And if God thinks that way about evangelism, how should we think of it? How should we think about it? Because how many know this is, this is important to him? He's telling us when he came down to save the world, to save men who will believe him. This was most important. The Bible says even heaven danced when one person gets saved. One. Everybody say one. I say to you, Luke 15, 7. He says, I say to you that I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Can I say something? Listen, if we have a church service, and let's just say that the praise and worship was horrible. Let's just say the preaching didn't work right. Let's just say the ushers didn't greet with a smile. Let's just say the stuff just wasn't working right. But you know what? But at the end of the day, if somebody walk up here and they give their life to Jesus, and somebody would say, how was service today? Oh, boy, it was a good service. Why? Because somebody got saved. Oh, it was a good day. Hey, the preacher wasn't all that great. The music wasn't all that great. But, boy, God, somebody got saved, and in that, I'm going to rejoice. We don't see that kind of enthusiasm in the church when people get saved. Some of us don't even think twice about it. Somebody walk up here and give their life to Christ. Every one of you should be congratulating them, and you should be asking for a phone number. Because it's that important to God. You got saved. I, I thank God for everybody that, 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 everybody that prayed for me. They used to have an old song. My mama prayed for me. Had me on her mind. Took the time. That, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, come on, y'all, y'all know, y'all got the other side. Praise God for that. Because you are here, you're a recipient of that. Then the church, we can't get so busy doing church that we're not being the church. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we just want to do church. I'm a, listen, I don't mind, you want to yeah, slap some oil on me and slain in the spirit speaking, I can do all, I mean, I'm, I'm all, I'm good, you know, just want to, do the dance, oh, you know. I said, but you know, at the end of the day, I won't change. I want more. I want God to anoint me so the folk will really get delivered. Are you hearing me? I don't need a pat on the back. I want the move of God, and I don't want to manufacture it. I don't want to get all the smoke on the stage and the lights. and all. I don't want to try to manufacture the presence of God. I want it to be real. Y'all not hearing me this morning. The Bible says there's joy in heaven over one. If there's joy in heaven over one, are you getting how important this is to the heart of God? Where are you when it comes to evangelism? Where are you? What's, what's most important to you right now? What is most important to you? Some of you, you didn't bargain for this message today. For some folk, and I, I even, can I say this, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I even contemplated even saying that this month would be evangelism and mission month. I contemplated whether or not I should even tell you. Because I know the church don't get excited about stuff like this, as it should be. I speak as the church, but I have faith 
I have faith to believe that God is going to shift some attitudes in this place. That God's going to shift some attitudes in the church. That no more will we be comfortable with doing church, but we're going to be comfortable being the church in Jesus' name. Jesus calls us. Here was Jesus. Listen to what Jesus did. John 20, 21. Jesus calls us to evangelize. John 20 and verse 21. Look at this. Jesus said to them again, watch this. Peace to you. Look at this. As the Father has sent me. Uh Uh-oh, watch this. This is a loaded verse. As the Father has sent me. So now I'm sending you the same way. Do y'all get that? How did the father send him? The father sent him to die. The father sent him to lay down his life. How many know that we, how many know, obviously we can't, we don't die for each other's sin or anything like that. But in a certain way, how many know we're always dying every day to ourselves? We're dying to serve man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we're dying to give up our life to serve and be inconvenienced. Everybody say inconvenience. By the way, who likes to be inconvenienced? I got one hand. There's a reason for that. Hallelujah. But nobody likes it. But you got to learn how to appreciate it for the value and what can come out of it. So Jesus says, as the Father sent me, he said, I'm sending you the same way. There was no separate agenda. He didn't say, well, this was my mission, but, but, you know, I'm just sending you now just to be a nice Christian. Just go out and just be a nice Christian and just, just occupy and wait for me to come back. Oh, no. He says, as the Father sent me with a mission to God and change the world, he said, as he sent me, I'm sending you with the same mission. There's no separate agenda. The same mission, Jesus, as my father sent me, I'm sending you the same spirit, the same mission, the same agenda. How many know we're supposed to carry on his work? Is this too deep for some of y'all? All right, here we go. So watch this. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. All of us can say this in our sleep. Watch this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many know when you get serious about preaching the gospel, Jesus will be with you? That's the context in which he said this. He said, and lo, when you get serious, I will be with you. Now, how many know that... That evangelism and discipleship goes hand in hand. Am I right about it? See, you can't disciple them until you reach them. Right? You got to reach them. Discipleship can only come in when somebody preach, somebody proclaim, somebody. How will they hear without a preacher? Somebody got to share because there will be no discipleship until you reach them. So we got to get them here so that we can disciple them. And when we're discipling them, all we're doing is we're helping them to be conformed to the image of Christ so that they now can go and and proclaim and we can disciple others. It's a revolving door. This is what ministry really at the core is all about. But some of us, let's be honest, we came into the kingdom 
and we haven't worried a whole lot about trying to evangelize and bring other folk in. I want you to think about this every day. I want every place you eat dinner, every place you go to lunch, you go to dinner, at work, I want you to th be thinking in the back of your mind, Father, use me. This is an unbeliever, God, and you have put me in this place. Some of you right here are in some undesirable places. Quit complaining and start praying. God, use me. Just say, if you don't know how to say anything, God, use me where I am. Just use me, God. Just use me because, because I have it in my heart to evangelize and to see people come to Christ. I want this must be the heartbeat of every one of us. It must be the thing that drives us more than anything else. Drive, you, drive us more than all the other things that we can want in this life. Oh, God, Lord, help us. Finally, I'm going to close here. Look at this. In Luke chapter number five. How many know that Jesus didn't do anything haphazardly or by accident? Nothing, you know, well, the thing, one of the things I love about Jesus is he was, oh gosh, he was 100% man, he's 100% God. We all understand that in theological terms. Uh, but there was this man, the man side of him, can I speak to that? The man side of him, he was just, he, he was just, he was so full of wisdom. He did nothing flippantly. He was always two, three, four, five steps ahead. How many know a lot of times when you walk in the anointing, you're two, three, four, five steps ahead? Are you, you hear me? How many know God has shown you some things? How many know God has called us to be a prophetic people? To foresee what God is doing. Watch this. Now watch. So in, in, in Luke chapter number five, we see here that Jesus is a calling together a group of men that's going to change the world. And the ones, that's, and, and, and if, and, and the ones that are going to be leaders of that group, like Peter, they were, you know what they did by trade? They were fishermen. Everybody say fishermen. Now, how many know, Jesus said to them in Matthew 4 and 18, Jesus said this. From, then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, I believe that Jesus chose the fishermen on purpose. The same principle and attitudes needed to catch fish are the same as fishing for the souls of men. He chose men that could easily understand the concept and adopt quickly to fulfill his mission. So I don't believe there was an accident that Jesus chose fishermen. But how many know that there's a lot of parallels between fishing for men and fishing for fish? The principles are the same. The, 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 the end goal is different because now we're going to fish for souls. So let's look at a couple of parallels here and then we're going to close this up. How many know, whether you're fishing for men or fishing for people, they both require initiative. Everybody say initiative. In one place, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, Peter said, I go fishing. How many know that we got to be intentional about evangelism we're going to change the world? You got to be intentional. You got to have a plan. You got to believe. You got you to engage. How many got eyes? How many of you got eyes on somebody right now that the Holy Ghost has assigned you to? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody should be thinking that. Everybody should have that. You should have, uh, there should, if you've been walking in the spirit, there, God, listen, there's something. Because, you know, the Bible says one sows, one, one waters, and, you know, but God brings the increase. How many know that in order to catch fish, 
You got to take initiative. Well, you know, can you imagine a fisherman standing here saying, man, I ain't going to go fishing. I'm just going to wait for the fish to come to me in my, in my house where there's no water around my house. How are they going to get there? <laughs> they need water. Ain't, ain't no, it's, it's between the water and your house, there's, a, there's land. How the fish going to get there? But this is how we do in the church. Am I right about come on, church? Talk back to me. This is what we do. I'm going to wait for the fish to come to me. Here's the question. How does it work in force? How many know you're going to be a fisherman of men? You've got to take initiative. You've got to go after them. And sometimes you've got to keep going after them. You've got to keep going after them. You've got to keep. How many know a fisherman, a good fisherman, man, they'll just keep throwing. They'll hang out there for a minute. It requires initiative. You remember the woman at the well? Y'all remember that John chapter 4, the woman sit back, Jesus, the woman at the well, she walks up, and Jesus is over there. Jesus is tired. Everybody say tired. You know what that meant? Jesus probably could have, look, he could have easily said, man, I'm resting right now. They went to, they went to get some food. I'm going to get time for me to take a nap. Even when he was tired, inconvenience, there come a woman. And instead of saying, yeah, I'm tired, I ain't got time to talk to that woman, man, she's crazy. He says, woman, give me a drink. All the while, he was thinking about how he was going to drop some revelation down on the inside of her and bring her out of that life of debauchery. And before it was over, this woman ended up confessing all them husbands that she had and that mess that she was in. But, but what happened? Jesus took the initiative. How many know we got to take the initiative if we're going to do something? How many know that in Mayfest we're taking the initiative? Don't mistake in Mayfest for just another church event. See, that's what we got to change that. Come on, somebody. Mayfest is not just another. Listen, we're thinking evangelistically. Are you hearing me? I can't reach all of them, but if I can get, but wherever I can get, Lord, where are you at work? God, where is the fertile ground? I'm ready to plant. But you got to take initiative, right? You got to be there. Number two, how many know they both require patience? But Simon Peter, in verse number five, in Luke chapter five, Simon Peter, he said, watch this. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, Master, we have toiled all night and we ain't catch nothing. Pastor, we did Mayfest before. We didn't get a whole lot of people. Get, we've been doing a whole bunch of things. Ain't nothing changed. How many know that God works outside of time, and there are times when you just got to be patient with what God is doing. How many know that God, aren't you, how many of you are glad that God was patient with your crazy self? Amen. When you were out there acting like a fool, I mean, we don't even want to talk about what you did before you got saved. And some of you still act a fool, we go, oh, oh, stop it. Oh, I almost had a moment. But you know what you did, and he, the mess that we did, and aren't you glad he was patient with you? Although to every time a, a, a Christian radio program come on, you flip that dial. Every time you saw it on TV, you wanted nothing to do with it. Every time the Holy Roller came, you ran the other way. Patience! And somehow, God got you here. How many know good fishermen are patient? Oh, but Lord, I've been trying for a year. Keep trying. Keep praying. I've been working on my sister, but she's saved now. I worked on her for years. And I, one time I even thought to myself, man, it's a waste of my time. 
All of a sudden, she called me on Easter Sunday and said, I want you to know that I gave my life to Jesus. Amen. I said, glory to God. Glory to God. How many know you got to be patient with? How many know people are a work in progress? But, but not only that, you work in progress. Come on, somebody. See, how many know they both, and number three, they both require bait, some bait. How many know Paul said this? Paul says, I've become all things to all men that I might win some. You know what Paul was really trying to do? He was trying to find some way in which he can engage people. You know, if you're good at fishing, you want to figure out a way that you can draw people to the message. How many, how many of us spend time thinking about ways of how we can, we can draw them to the message? I mean, how can I? Oh, God, you know, God, I want to reach them. God, give me. You see, when you're praying for somebody, this is how you need to be praying. God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. God, open the door. God, give me something. Oh, what, what are they like? Oh, oh, they like this? Oh, go buy it. Go buy it and give it to them. Go bless them. See, the Lord just put on my heart to give this to you. Why? Because he just, he just won. And, and you, ne- you never know what door that will open up for us. How many know that good fishermen got bait? You got to figure out a way to get people. Listen, you got to figure out a way to engage. You got to be creative. How many know that, number four, the good fishermen, both it requires, watch this, they both require taking risk and courage. They both require, requires taking a risk and courage. Some of you right now, if you're honest, you have never spoken to anybody about your faith you know, unless there was like somebody that's really, really close to you. You never did it. But how many know, he told Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. For some of us, we ain't going to ever, ever evangelize and see nobody get saved. How many of you have loved, how many of you have led people to Jesus? I mean, you've, you've, you've held their hand you, and you prayed with them to receive Jesus. Can I get a show of hands? For those who've done that, how did that make you feel? Boy, you know, you, one day, I mean, God, and God, God used you to do that. The most precious thing you could ever do is lead somebody to Jesus. Wow, man, that's amazing. Somebody who was walking in darkness now, man, can see. And God used a wretch like me. Can I tell you something, church? It required faith. Sometimes you're going to be rejected. Sometimes people are going to get mad at you. In some cases, they might even report you. I got reported once on my job for preaching the gospel. Like they, they turned me in. Bosses called me in. And you know the funny thing about it? I was, a, I was basically a new, I was a, a rookie. I'd been on the police department maybe five years. And, you know, I had, you know, everybody got in my car. I'm just telling you, even today, everybody, I'm, I'm around. I'm like, Lord, give me the opportunity. So, you know, when he stepped in the car, man, I'm already playing Christian music. I'm blasting. I'm doing something. And they start asking me questions. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh would you, you want? I'm glad you asked. So there have been a lot of people sitting in the back of my police car, many people that I interrogated over the years, and, I, and, and, and they got saved. I'm sitting there, and they confess all their crimes to me, and then they get saved. I've done it, and people have thought, and people, and, and people want to know, how do you get all the, and let me tell you something, I'm a, I'm a one of the, listen, I'm not bragging, I don't need to brag on myself, trust me, I, I, don't do, I don't talk about this much, but I'm one of the best 
detectives that Fairfax County has ever had. One of the best interrogators. You wouldn't want to know me if I was interrogating you. I don't practice that stuff on you here. My wife tells me all the time, don't do that, you know. <laughs> but I, I knew, I, but, but you know what? A lot of time I had a lot of success because the Holy Ghost, I was like, God, I want to, you know, and these people sitting there and they, and they start telling me, and then they come in, they ain't going to say nothing, but I pray and I believe. And all of a sudden, man, I, and, I, and I just believe that, that, that somehow, God, you're going to use me. And I'm not just thinking about getting the confession. I want them to confess and get right with God. Then I've done my job. Are you hearing me? That's what motivated me. But how many know you got to step out in faith? How many know they both require, if you're going to fish for fish or fish for men, they both require some knowledge, direction, and understanding. When Jesus, in, in, in verse number four of, of Luke 5, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. How many know the good fishermen, they know the season, times, and location of where to fish? I'm not a fisherman, but folks that are really into it, man, they, they sit here, they, they can say stuff that make it real comfortable. I'm sitting there, listen, I'm the one brother at work, he's a fisherman. I sit there, I said, man, that's a whole lot of stuff you got to think about the fish. I always thought you just get the, get the rod, man, find some water, throw the thing up. No, man, they got to go water temperature, the location, the time of the day. Y'all, any fisherman in here who know what I'm talking about? And you got no fishermen. That's why y'all sitting there looking at me. Y'all, <laughs> yeah. see. It, it, see, it takes some direction. It takes some knowledge. How many know for us as Christians, we need the knowledge of the Holy Ghost? And when Jesus said, when Jesus said this, he says, put out the, the thing into the deep, boy, cast your net. If Peter would say, I ain't doing that, brother wouldn't have called nothing. But when he listened to the Holy Ghost, which means is we got to listen to the Holy Spirit. If we're going to catch a lot of fish, how many want to catch a lot of fish? Men. If we're going to do it, church, how many know we got to listen to God? You got to listen to him. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to ask God. Listen, if you ain't praying, you don't know where the fish at. You just out there. But how many know that God want to show us some stuff? And God will reveal to us. And listen, the Bible, the Bible says, look at verse number six. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Watch this. And their net was breaking. I believe that God won't foundation church to catch so many fish that the nets break. Amen. See, that was your chance right there to shout hallelujah, amen. And you didn't do it. See? You didn't do it. That was your chance right there. That tells us where we're at. Are you hearing me, church? How many know we need a reality check? These seats are empty because we ain't serious about it. We're not. We can say what we want. Oh, God, I don't believe it. God ain't going to grow the church if the people don't care. He ain't going to do it. We ain't going to fill these seats if we're not out there actively engaging. Some of us just need God to just, just revive us, pour out his Holy Spirit, and say, God, give me a heart for the lost. Got to be where we're at, church. Because it's important to God. And if the, if the more God you want, the more serious you get about evangelism. Don't tell him how much God you want if you don't want to evangelize. Because the closer you get to him, he's going to lead you to go grab somebody else and bring him along. Are you hearing me? Lastly, they both require help to catch a lot of fish. Whether you're fishing for men or you're fishing for fish. They both require a lot. They require help. 
in Luke chapter 5, look at verse number 6 and 7. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Come on, brother. Come on. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat, watch this, to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. How many know that's a good problem to have? Come, let's say it again. How many know that's a good problem to have? When you got a whole, so many fish that your boat is about to sink because you can't keep them all. How many know that if we're going to catch a lot of fish, everybody say a lot of fish. I don't know about you. I'm going to rejoice with the one we get. But I don't want to just get, I want to get 10, 15, 20, 30. I want to catch a lot of fish. Anybody else want to catch a lot of fish? But how many know if we're going to catch a lot of fish? It's going to require help. You know, he, he said he had, they had to go signal to their partners. Hey, 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 come on. We need some help. You know what that means? That we need everybody doing their part. It can't be one or two people. It just can't be Tara. It just can't be Walter. It just can't be Crystal. It just can't be uh, Giselle. I mean, no, everybody got to take on this mantle and do their part. We're not going to catch a lot of fish with a, folk, with a lot of folks standing around looking. No, everybody jump in and help out. Why? If we're going to catch fish, big fish, a whole lot of fish, a variety of fish in Mayfest, I mean, no, everybody got to be thinking evangelistically. We need everybody here. We need everybody praying. We need everybody being inconvenienced. Get up. Go to sleep early so you're well rested. Don't come in here jacked up on Saturday. Come ready. Come ready. Because this is the most profound moment that we have an opportunity to bring strangers into our church who don't know Jesus. And I don't know about you. Those of us who've been at Mayfest, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a whole, the majority of them, by far, they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. They might know about a church that they've been to, but they don't know Jesus. All you got to do is talk to them for two minutes. We're going to do that differently. This is why we do what we do. Now, I know I went a little bit long this morning, but let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this. My prayer, my prayer is that you as a Christian, that you really embrace this principle of evangelism. It becomes a part of your DNA. Because for many of us, it is not a part of our DNA. Let's just be honest. I mean, we're saved and we're glad we come to church, but we don't spend a lot of time talking to nobody else. We don't even invite a lot of people to, you know, we don't invite people to come into the church the way that we should. We don't preach to people that we're near. We got neighbors. Lord convicted me this morning. We got a neighbor. We got like three new neighbors on my block. I tell my wife this morning, got to get busy. I don't know if they'll ever come here, but I, don't, I, I do know this. I got to launch out into the deep. I got to go. I got to try. They might not want to hear it. They may say, I ain't coming to your church. But I got to try. Because I believe that if I get them in my church, I know they're going to hear the truth. They're going to be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a lot of shortcomings I have. But proclaiming the gospel ain't one of them. I can do that. But I need everybody help. I don't just, listen, I, I mean, no, I can't do it by myself. I can't. I can't wear a brother out. I can't do it by myself. I need everybody. 
I need you talking to people. I need you, I need you engaged, and I want you to make it a part of your life. Don't just do it for a week. Don't just do it for the duration of this sermon, but make it a part of your life. Lord, use me to be an example. Use me, God, to be one that lead people to Christ, to be a preacher of this gospel. You're a preacher. Start acting like it. Your pulpit, you heard me say this before and I'll say it again. Your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. That's your pulpit. Preach. Preach. And there's a whole lot more of them. But you can't preach. You're not going to preach if you're bogged down with the cares of this life. You're not going to preach if your mind is not where God is. I'm, but I just preached to you this morning, whether you like it or not, this is where God is. This is where he is right here. Whatever, the message I just gave you. It wasn't a message that make you, listen, it wasn't a message that, that, that just kind of just told you how wonderful you are. And, you know, it was a message about the heart of God. And if you want the heart of God, get serious about evangelism. And God will move heaven and earth for you. Trust me. That's what I know. You know why the disciples, you know why they did miracles? You know how people say dumb stuff like God ain't doing miracles today? How many know God's still doing miracles today? God ain't, you know, I don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. That's your problem. Don't come in here talking about that crazy stuff. I don't believe it. No, I believe that the book is the book. I believe that the book of Acts is still being written. But why was God anointing them? Why did they do so much good? Think about what they did. And ask yourself, are we doing what they did? And then God will move. So we all got to get serious about this thing. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus' name.